0: Hamilton Tiger Cats fans, you're not done here, Tiger Cats. We have the Tiger Cats info you need on their road to Regina here on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. From the Tiger Cats Audio Network, this is Tiger Cats Today with Louis Budko. Yes, it is. Cats day for a Tuesday, November the 1st, 2022. Yes, the first day of November, the first day of the last month of the CFL season. That's how I'm looking at it. Uh, and boy, where did that go? Uh, as we get said, for the Cats playing in the East semifinal, that of course is happening on Sunday. Uh, so working backwards, Sunday is the game. Saturday's walkthrough, the day before the game. Friday, day three, Thursday, day two, Wednesday, day one. Uh, which meant today that they were not practicing. So, yeah, a uh, Ticats day at home edition uh, as we wait for the Ticats to get back on the football field ahead of that game uh, against Montreal in Montreal Sunday. Uh, one o'clock is when that game starts, which means we'll be on the air at 12 on the Ticats Audio Network. Bubba O'Neill and Andy Fantu is getting you set for the game. And then, of course, the all-star team of... RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker will have the call. And, of course, Andy and Bubba are part of that all-star team, too. Coach Sal is going to be by, as he always is, on the pregame. So uh, you're not going to want to miss it uh, right here on the Cats Audio Network. Big game on Sunday. Uh, you're not going to want to miss any of the other great content we have for you here on the Cats Audio Network, including on this show today uh, when we're joined by Chris O'Leary, the managing editor of CFL.ca. Uh, but you can also go uh, wherever you found this podcast. Same channel, Cats Audio Network. Uh, you can find a brand new episode of the CFL this week and a brand new episode of the Coach O Show. A new episode of Marielle and Hitch will be dropping. And of course, I'll be here right through the week with this show and a brand new episode of Speaking with the Enemy where I'll catch up with Joey Alfieri uh, from the Mushroom Alouettes uh, to get to the other side of this story. So no practice sound to get to because can't do that when there's no practice. We will get to Chris O'Leary, but we do have some news to get to. We're excited to announce that the Cats offensive lineman Brandon Revenberg has been named the East Division's most outstanding offensive lineman. Uh, so he took home the divisional award, which means he will be up against Stanley Bryant from the West for the league award. And it's the uh, second straight year those two will go head to head. Last year it was Stanley Bryant who uh, took home the award. See if uh, Revenberg can steal away from him this year. And the CFL awards is happening uh, the Friday night at the Great Cup Week in Regina, Saskatchewan. So congratulations to Brandon Revenberg. Uh, 6'4", 301-pound native of Essex. Started 17 games at left guard for the Ticats. A six-year veteran of the CFL has played all 102 of his career regular season games with the Ticats. So congratulations, Rev, on uh, being named the uh, East nominee for that award. So if, you, if you're hearing that, you're probably putting two and two together that... Uh, that's the only divisional award the Tie Cats are up for. It seems weird to say, uh, and I guess maybe their record at eight and ten has something to do with that. But uh, it seems every year multiple Tie Cats are up for multiple awards, but uh, this year it's just the one. Uh, as we check out the other award finalists at uh, Most Outstanding Player, it's Zach Caleros from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and Eugene Lewis uh, is uh, is the East nominee for Most Outstanding Player. Uh, edging out, uh, of course, Tim White, who I I, I thought would have gotten the uh, nod, but I, I think voters might have looked at uh, just the the Alouettes' record versus the TyCats' record, and you know Eugene Lewis, thirteen hundred yards, I believe, uh, you know, three hundred yards, six hundred yards more than the next closest guy on his team, um, but I, I think he still could have made a strong case for Tim White. And that award, but again, I didn't vote. I didn't have a say. So, yeah, what are you gonna do? Uh, most outstanding defensive player—it's between Sean Lemon of Calgary and Lorenzo Malton the fourth. Most outstanding Canadian player is Nathan Rourke from BC, despite only playing in eight games, and Curly Gittens Jr. out of Toronto. We already told you most outstanding offensive lineman Stanley Bryant going up against our very own Brandon Revenberg. Most outstanding special teams player—again, I thought maybe Seth Small had a good chance of coming out of the East, but they uh, I guess they don't normally give this to kickers. Uh, so it's Chandler Worthy, the East nominee out of Montreal, and Mario Alford out of Saskatchewan. And most outstanding rookie, it's Dalton Schoen from Winnipeg. He's pretty much got that award locked up. He has for a while. Uh, but Tyson Philpot will be the East division nominee. And Coach of the Year will likely go to Mike O'Shea once again, but uh, Ryan Dinwiddie uh, is the nominee out of the East to challenge him for that award. But... I think it's Mike O'Shea's award to lose at this point because fifteen uh, and three, uh, looking like they're on their way to a third straight appearance at the Grey Cup. TyCats looking like they're on their way to the third straight Grey Cup appearance as well. But uh, yeah, Mike O'Shea and Ryan Dinwiddie up for Coach of the Year award and for more on sunday's east semifinal and to take a look at the bigger picture of the cfl playoffs very pleased to be joined by CFL.ca's chris o'leary and uh, chris uh, i mean uh, did you see the Thai Cats sneaking in did you did you always believe or, or were there some moments of doubt uh, at some point during this season
1: well louis I, I think i'm naturally skeptical of pretty much everything i see in my life <laughs> i think maybe especially right now <laughs> so uh no i mean honestly I, I think to me at labor day there was a very bleak picture painted right and uh it didn't look good I think the one thing that was always going in in the tie Cats' favor and you can say the same for the red blacks even for the Alouettes for a large part of the, this season was just that all three of them were kind of just stumbling over the gate stumbling over each other and, and they were all kind of stuck back in the pack that way and I think that really helped all three teams in a lot of ways and you know we saw the the alouettes kind of pull things together first and, and take that second spot in, in the East. Um, and, and, you know, you could see it with Hamilton. I think the one thing I kept saying about that team is that they had the pieces there and, you know, and, and they had the the luxury of, of Ottawa struggling, of Saskatchewan struggling. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think it came down to the very, very, very last minute, but the pieces finally did fall in place. And, you know, I, I think you look at the last probably six games, really last third of the season, and that high cap team that we saw on the field, I think, was the one that um, probably showed closest to what we we thought it was capable of, or showed the most glimpses of that. And uh, you know, and I, I still think they have they have room to grow and uh, and and can be better in the playoffs. And I, and I think. it, if, I don't think it's a matter of flicking a switch because if, if the switch could have been flipped, it would have happened <laughs> weeks or months ago. But, um, you know, I, I think it's there, the capabilities there that they could go into the playoffs and, and be that force that we saw the, the last two years in the East.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned those final six games, five and one, you know, four and zero oh to finish the year after an O oh and four start to the year. And, and like you said, it's, it's the key pieces But there are a lot of injuries to this Ticats team. Uh, Chris Van Zyl, um, obviously. Braylon Addison on Mm -hmm. offense. Uh, Dylan Wynn on defense. Simone's missed some time. I mean, what does that say about the depth that this team has established? And also, the ability of guys to plug and play on this Ticats team that, you know, Malik Carney can go off. Cedric Wilcott's the second, you know, I don't want to say a throwaway from Winnipeg, but um a guy who's come in and made some big plays what have you seen from the those guys the depth players on this Ticats team that that's encouraging
1: yeah i I, th- I think you're right 100% and you know if they they don't have those guys um you know the season probably tailspins mm-hmm. and and it's over when when the, as those injuries kind of mounted but, um, you know, I think that's something that, uh, you know, if, if I recall correctly, we probably talked about at the, the very start of training camp was, you know, looking at that first depth chart and just saying, like, this is actually a chart of depth of depth, right? <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. There, there's a ton of talent there. It's, it's a very well built roster and that it's uh, equipped enough to, to deal with things. I, I, and you can never anticipate uh, the depth or severity of, of injuries before a season gets going. But, you know, like names you mentioned to, to spend a large chunk of the season without Chris Fenzel to lose Addison for the season. Uh, Simone Lawrence, who's been a backbone of that defense for the the last couple of years, at least, um, you know, to to lose those guys, Dylan Win as well, um, for just significant stretches of time throughout the season, and to still be in it, and to find a way and to to like to get to that last third of the season and sort of click and and turn it on, uh, is, is is very impressive. I think it's a, it's a testament to the organization, right, and it's just that, you know, I think every team talks about. Next man up and being ready and having that depth, but they don't all do it, right? They they don't, they aren't all able to supply that. I think the tech hats have.
0: Uh, Cam Newton, throw that guy in there as well. Uh, lost him on special teams, and I guess that goes to my next question: is the coaching? And yeah, there were there were calls. Fans are passionate. There were calls for for maybe some coaching changes when things weren't going well. Oh, very calmly, very you know reasonably said, you know, my coaching staff's been to two great cups. Uh, you know, we promoted them to associate head coaches for a reason. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I, I bring that up because Craig Butler, a first year uh, special teams coordinator and dealing with the injuries that he has, especially on special teams, such a young group. What have you seen from that unit specifically, the Seth Small, the Lawrence mm-hmm. Woods? What's impressed you about that unit that that maybe maybe not have, has, has won them games, but has definitely been the difference in some of them? I think so. And I mean, you talk about Seth small. I mean, I, I don't think
1: the Ticats are in the playoffs without him. And yeah, yeah it's funny as, as you watch games the last few weeks and, and you know, you see uh, the way that somebody like Seth has, has produced, um, you know, you think about Butler and, and you think about even how he got, got into that role. It was, uh, I think kind of a sudden yeah. uh, opportunity, right? Yeah. Uh, Je- Jeff Reinbold was supposed to be that guy. Uh, I believe uh, Went, I think to Montreal and, Montreal. and then was, was gone. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, A big opportunity but it's kind of a heavy one to carry at the same time and uh special teams are um maybe forgotten at points they're kind of the uh the white noise in the background sometimes between offense and defense but um somewhere in there um maybe it's maybe it's not every week but somewhere in there along your season you see how special teams win you or lose you games and um you know i think i think we keep talking about that last third of the season i mean that special teams unit has, uh, I don't want to say carried them, but has, has definitely contributed. And, you know, like I said, I I keep thinking about Seth small, just such an incredible story of, um, just someone that's
0: just been outstanding
1: down the stretch here. And, you know, they're, they're not, we're not here talking about the playoffs right now, probably if it's not for somebody like Seth small and the the group around him.
0: I pointed it out to Seth that, uh, you know, pressure was on him as someone who played high school football in, in Caddy, Texas, uh, with CFL royalty, like Bo Levi Mitchell (laughs) coming through there and, uh, and Andy Dalton uh, from Caddy. Uh, yeah, it, he's a great guy, and it's great to see the success he's had. He is uh, not up for the uh, the, the main award, um, but the most outstanding special teams player is Mario Alford out of Saskatchewan and Chandler Worthy out of uh, Montreal. I do want to get to that on a bigger picture, but um, my vote would have been for Tim White out of the East. I didn't get a vote, but um, Tim White, Eugene Lewis had very similar numbers You know, maybe the difference was where Eugene uh, Lewis and his Alouettes finished, which is fine. But the point is, Tim White had a heck of a season. Has he established himself as a star in the CFL after year two?
1: I think so. I think uh, and and I think record probably comes down to a lot of that stuff. And I think when you're you're voting on awards and and all stars and things like that, um, certainly you you look at something like where the teams are are at the the standings. And, you know, and I think Montreal had a more consistent season uh, than the Tiger Cats have. Um, you know, I, I always wonder too, if things like that are sort of the fuel in the fire for these guys when they, you know, when they'll, they'll meet on Sunday. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you know, I think Tim White can go co- out, go out and want to make a statement if, if he wants to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's there to be made. And, uh, but no, to, I mean, to answer your question, I think, I think he's definitely a, a star in this league now. Um, uh, you know, I, I think all-star voters had five selections on receivers and I'm sure Tim White was top two or three, if, if not higher in, in, in the East for a lot of the voters.
0: Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about Eugene Lewis, because it seems that every time these two teams play it's Eugene Lewis making some ridiculous catch on third and 14 or third and two, or to keep the drive going. I mean, I have to imagine a big part of the game plan and this is made even more complicated with the return of William Stanback, but I have to think a big part of the game plan for the Ticats will be find a way to shut down Eugene Lewis.
1: I think so. And, you know, I, I think I, I wrote something yesterday uh, and, and kind of looked at the same thing. And, you know, I, I, I don't think the Tiger Cats are going to be the first team to take that approach. Right. I mean, I, I think teams have been trying to zero in on Eugene all season and uh, he's just been unstoppable. Just uh, an, an incredible performance on on his part. I think I think he's around 1300 receiving yards for the season. The next closest receiver on his team is, I think, in the 700s. I think it's Reggie White Jr. Um, so, I mean, that, that really tells you they're blatant about it, right? Like they're not, they're not trying to hide him in, in packages or anything. They're they're just saying like, we're going to Geno and you have to stop us. And most of the time teams haven't been able to. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the challenge for the, the tie cats. or a challenge. I, I think Standback. back, uh, you know, he hasn't had that huge William Standback type game yet, but I feel like they're just building it, building for it. And, you know, this, this first playoff game could be it for him. It's yeah. It's a, a big problem
0: for a defense to handle. Um, I'm not sure how many times Trevor Harris has faced the Tie Cats in the postseason. It's it's it a, lot. Like a lot, right? <laughs> it feels like it feels like every year Trevor Harris runs into the Tie Cats and he's won some. What team? What division? Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What division? What team? Uh, but he always seems to find it. it. But he's had some big games against the Tie Cats. Again, uh, Tie Cats defense is going to be causing problems with him. But that being said, uh, Trevor Harris has the experience to go out there and win playoff games, doesn't he? Oh, uh, he he absolutely does. I mean, this is a guy
1: that took that Ottawa team to a great cup in 2018. I believe I don't know, the, the years all get kind of fuzzy for me once the great cups <laughs> yeah. are over, yeah. but um, he, he led the red blacks to a great cup appearance. Um, you know, was part of a, a very, led a very potent offense in Ottawa for a number of years, did the same thing in Edmonton. Um, you know, didn't have as much success, but um, you know, he's, he's a decorated experienced quarterback. And it's pretty much, that's what you want when you get to these games. It's just someone that's been there. He's seen pretty much everything um, you know, especially with this cat's defense, you know, it's uh, different characters year in and year out, but you know, I, I think he'll know what to expect to an extent. And, um, you know, and I think something that'll be in the back of his mind too, is just the, the performance last year, which was a great one, but he also lost three fumbles in that game. Right. And um, you know, you, you get to these November games, I think it's supposed to be warmer this week in Montreal than, than it was last year when these teams met. Um, but yeah, I, I think, That'll be in his mind. I think the Ticats will be comfortable knowing that, you know, this is a quarterback they've dealt with a ton of times in the past. But, uh, yeah, I I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh,
0: You mentioned you think the Ticats still have another level that they can reach. And, uh, you know, they're coming off four straight wins, five wins in the last six games. What do you think it would take to get to – that next level and knowing that this is a team that went to back-to-back great cups, that, that has a chip on their shoulder this year, that has to go in and win three road games. Where is that next level? What do they need to do to get there?
1: Um, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more to it than what I'm going to say, but I think, uh, I think confidence is the number one thing. I think um, when you look at the season that that Dane Evans has had specifically um, and just sort of the, the things he's gone through this year in terms of taking care of the ball losing it at key moments, uh, interceptions, things like that he's cleaned that up a lot in the the second half and the last third of, of the season. I can't remember the stat and you might, you might know it better than I do, but the, the interceptions have gone way down yeah. over, over the, the last third of the season. Um, to me, the, the mental part of it, right. Um, just separating yourself from performances you're not happy with throughout the year and knowing that you can get back to, you know, I, I mean, I think about Dean Evans in the, the second half of the East final last year. I mean, that's, that's the guy you, you want to see um i think i think it's just a matter of confidence and consistency taking care of the ball executing and um and i think just separating yourself from your past work and just going out and looking at what's in front of you and and executing and we're only talking about dane
0: but i think that speaks to the the team as a whole yeah I believe this will be the fourth straight year that Trevor Harris. I was just trying to look it up there. I think it's the fourth <laughs> straight year that Trevor Harris will play the tie cats, and that's three different teams, two different divisions uh which is absolutely uh insane when you think about it uh just where he's been um dane Evans obviously's look been looking good lately uh defensively that secondary has looked sharp uh do you see a hole on this tie cat team right now um I don't know. I mean, just it's, putting it, it together, I guess. Yeah. Right?
1: I, I think that's it. I think it's just, just putting it together. And like I said before, just, just executing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think we all know what this team is capable of and we've seen that over the last few years. And of course the, the faces change at some, some spots as the team evolves. But, um, I think it's a matter of just going out there and I think being at their best. And I, I don't know that we've seen that. I think maybe we saw that in the in the Winnipeg game in Hamilton, uh, and week, week 15, but, um, yeah, I, I think just just bringing it all together. I, I don't know if there are holes. I mean, I, I think the, the the obvious thing that they're gonna not want to do is just uh, t- they they want to take care of the ball, right? And I think that's that's gonna be the main thing, and then defensively, just disrupt and and be active and, and you know force those turnovers like we've seen over the last few years. I think uh, I think it's there for them to do it, and I think they just have to get on the field and, and kind of live up to what they can be.
0: Uh, let's talk about some of the awards Uh, you know no offense to Eugene Lewis I think he's had a great season but what Zach Calaris has done again is uh, fantastic 15 and 3 defensive player I think is going to be pretty interesting between Lemon and uh, Lorenzo but I think most outstanding Canadian player this one's going to be tough for voters I I feel Uh, you know Nathan Rourke with a a limited window Curly Gittens Jr. consistently how do you see this one battling I I can imagine uh, again I'm not a voter but uh, you are so this 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 seems like it'd be a tough choice uh, it is. I'm I'm. I'm a little
1: surprised that Rourke came out as the, the top Canadian. Um, mm. I mean, I think in some ways it does make sense. That, I mean, we uh, had kind of batted around the idea or there were stories over the last few weeks about like, could Rourke still get that MLP nod if you base it on eight games and I guess one quarter that he played <laughs> last week. Uh, but but those, eight, those eight games were phenomenal, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that was stuff that we don't often see from a quarterback in the CFL, let alone a Canadian quarterback. Um, but it obviously it wasn't enough to impact the MOP vote but I think you know we that's what we saw with the, the outstanding Canadian is that when you look at national talent um you know nobody else did what Nathan Rourke did um yet you compare that to the complete season that Curly Giddens Jr. has, has put together and you know I, I think it's more of um a semantical argument almost yeah. like do you do you reward a half season or do you reward the full um yeah it'll be interesting I mean work uh, been has been rewarded once I don't know if uh you know, when it goes to national voting, how how it'll go. But uh, yeah. it'll definitely be interesting. I think that'll be one of the more interesting votes in the in the race.
0: Uh, no offense to Tyson Philpot, but uh, I'm pretty sure Dalton Schoen might have the uh, most outstanding rookie locked up, but <laughs> we will wait and see uh, for the CFL Awards during Great Cup Week. Speaking of which, uh, I know you're a very busy man uh, these next few weeks, uh, crisscrossing the country from one <laughs> coast to the other, uh, doing the great job you do as managing editor of CFL.ca. Uh, Chris, really appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Anytime. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a fun week ahead of us. My thanks to Chris O'Leary for joining me today and my thanks to you as well because, you know, we cannot do the show without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Make sure to like or subscribe or tell a friend or whatever you got to do uh, to get this show out there to your favorite Cats fans because uh, that's what we do it for. We do it for you here on Cats Today and the Cats Audio Network. All right, that'll do it for us today. We are back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Actually, different place because we're back at Tim Hortons Field for practice. I'm bringing you all the news and notes that you need as the Cats get set for that East semi-final game on Sunday against the Alouettes. We'll talk again from all of us here at the Ticats Audio Network. I'm Louis Butko. Hope you have a great day. The Cats begin the playoffs. Hopefully you'll see us again coming down King or Main Street when it really counts. <laughs> And you'll hear it all here on the TIE CATS Audio Network.